Shalom and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Gad Dishi and we're continuing our study in Parashat Vayetzeh. We're in Perek Chavtet, Pasuk Lamed. We're going to be continuing through till Perek Lamed, Pasuk Chavdala today. The breakdown of the Sukim are from Pasuk Lamed to Lamed Hey. We're going to discuss the love and the hatred of Le'ah in Pasukim Aleph Ad Dalet of Perek Lamed. We're going to read about the fight of Yaakov and Rachel and Pasukim Hey, to Chafdalid, we're going to hear about Rachel and Leah competing for having more children, with special mention of the episode of the Dudaim, the Mandrakes, with Reuven in Psukim uh, Yudalid and Tedvav. So, reviewing Pasuk Lamed that we mentioned yesterday, uh, we have Yaakov just married Leah, and he's been told by Laban to finish the seven day period and then be able to marry Rachel. And when he does so, the text tells us, Gam el Rachel. And it was that he also came unto Rachel and he loved also Rachel from Leah and he worked with him, with Lavan, for another additional seven years. The text uses the word Mileah, that Mem is something that in Hebrew can be used as a, a comparison. So he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. Or it could also mean from, meaning it's from his experience that he had with Leah, he now recognized how much he really loved Rachel. Either way implies that before he was with Rachel, he loved Leah, and now that he was with Rachel, he loves Rachel, uh, whether Rachel only or Rachel more. Uh, he now works the second seven years. Again, those seven years do not fly by as quickly as the first seven did. In my book, I explore why Yaakov did not look to divorce Leah right away, and why perhaps he couldn't demand Rachel as his wife without working those additional seven years. I'll only mention here that one of the main driving forces is that Yaakov is in love with Rachel and he will do anything to avoid risking losing her, even if it means staying married to her sister for the rest of his life, and even if it means another seven years of working for Lavan in exchange for only room and board. Pasuk Lamed Aleph Vayar Adonai ki et akara And God saw that Leah was hated and he opened her womb and Rachel was barren. And Leah got pregnant and gave birth to a boy, and she named him Reuven. For she said, For God has seen me in my affliction, and for now my husband should love me. So God sees that Leah is hated, which is very harsh, and coming from a very objective source of the narrator telling us what it is that God sees. When Leah gives birth to Reuven, she only admits that Yaakov will now love her, meaning she felt unloved when Reuven was born, about a year into the marriage. And she states that God saw her affliction, making Reuven, the word Reuven, the name of Reuven, a contraction of Ra'abe'onyi, Reuben, disguised in what others would hear as Reuben, see, a son. So she's putting on a show, there's this the difference between what it is the rest of the world hears in the name Reuven and what Le'ah understands with the name. Pasuk Lamed Gimel. V'tahar od v'telet ben. V'tomer, ki shama Adonai ki senua anochi. V'yitin li gam et ze. V'tekra shemo shem'on. And she gave birth again, and she gave birth, to a, and she gave birth to a boy, and she said, For God has heard that I am hated, and he gave me also this one. And she named him Shem'on. So by the time Shem'on is born, Le'ah recognizes that she is hated and attributes God with understanding that. Shama here, better meaning understanding than physical hearing. 
But again, she gives the name that someone disguises uh, what it is that's the real indication. In both cases, Yaakov doesn't even participate in the naming. Only Leah is naming the child. And so we have here Shimon that God should hear, but maybe hear a prayer as opposed to hearing that she is hated. Uh, she's keeping that to herself. Pasuk Lamed Dalet. Vatahar od vatelet ben vatomer. Atahapam yilave ishi elai. Ki aladati lo shaloshabanim. Aken karashemo levi. And she was pregnant again, and she gave birth to a boy. And she said, This time my husband shall accompany me, for I have given birth to three sons to him. And therefore he called his name Levi. So now Yaakov is not even accompanying her anymore. Ostensibly here Yaakov calls him Levi. Perhaps there's some sort of a truce, but even if there was one, it doesn't last as the later chapter will show us. Pasuk Lamed Hey. Vatahar od vatelet ben vatomer hapam odet adonai. Aken kareashemo Yehuda. And she was pregnant again. And she gave birth to a boy. And she said, this time I will praise God. And she called his name. That's why she called his name Yehuda. And she ceased from giving birth. She had a pause in the rapid birth that she's been having. So now she simply feels thanks for God for her son. She doesn't even try to attribute Yaakov's love to her having the children. Some want to say that this was a time when Yaakov was reconciled with Leah. And Leah was thanking God for that. But there's no textual evidence indicating that, and later textual references may indicate the reverse to be true. As a general note, uh, verse 31 implies that both Rachel and Leah were barren. Uh, another sameness feature between them. It's only because God sees that Leah is hated that God opens her womb. Yet why does he do that? Does he, like Leah, think that Yaakov will love her for bearing children? If so, we have to say, God making a mistake, like Leah made a mistake, because we see that Yaakov does not love her for having more children. However, I think that when God sees that she's unloved, he opens her womb in order for her to get the missing love uh, from her spouse and get it instead from her children. In addition, how can we explain why Yaakov shifts from not wanting Leah the morning of the revelation, as evinced by his complaint to Lavan, uh, to loving Leah, as the text says, he loved Rachel from Leah. So during that time, he did love Leah. And then right away, God saw that she was hated, even before she's able to conceive Reuven. How do we have this zigzagging of emotions? And I think that the small window of loving Leah is confined only to the days after the second work agreement is struck, where Yaakov knows he will be wed to Rachel in seven days. During those seven days, when he looks at Leah, he sees Rachel. She is the ticket to get Rachel. Having Leah in this way is the way that he gets to have Rachel. So the love he feels for Leah is really only a projection of his love for Rachel. And once he gets the real Rachel, the full resentment of having to be with Leah begins to fester and grow more and more every day. Perek Lamed, Pasuk Aleph, Vatera Rachel ki lo yaleda liyaakov, vatekarne Rachel vaachotah. And Rachel saw that she did not give birth to Yaakov, and Rachel was jealous from her, in, from her sister. And she told to Yaakov, Give me boys, children, and if not, I shall die. So Rachel is jealous of Leah. She has Yaakov's love, but she wants to remain the same as her sister. And if her sister has kids, then so should she. 
And what may remind us of Rivka's remarks about her life being worthless, if we recall Imken, Lama Ze'anochi, when she was pregnant with the twins, or Katsti Bechayai, Lama Lichayim, uh, about the Benotchet that she mentions before sending Yaakov off to Lavan. Uh, so too here, Rachel states that her life is not going to be worth living without children. A very harsh, uh, very desperate statement uh, by Rachel. Pasuk Bet. Ve'yichar'af Yaakov berachel. Ve'yomer, hatachat Elohim anochi, asher manami mech peribaten. And Yaakov got angry with Rachel. And he said, am I in place of God that prevented you from having offspring? So Yaakov gets angry and his and this at first seems to be an odd, an odd emotion to have as a reaction to what we just heard. The text had set us up to be very sympathetic to Rachel in seeing that Leah had all these kids. Why couldn't Yaakov hear her and feel her pain? Chazal are critical of Yaakov here as well. In Bereshit Rabbah, Is that how we answer uh, people in distress? So, so what happened? How could it be that Yaakov didn't lend a sympathetic ear? So it could be, I suggest, that Yaakov knows how much he invested to marry Rachel actually all the 14 years, and he loves her and only her. And when Rachel says that without kids she can die, Yaakov feels like, well, what about me? Similar perhaps to what Elkanah and Shemuel Aleph actually verbalizes to Hannah, Is not my love good enough for you and count more than even 10 Ten children? You can die? Is not our relationship worth anything to you? Hence the anger and the sharp reply. Unfortunately, Pasuk Gimel, And she said, Here is my maidservant Bilha, come unto her, and she shall give birth on my lap, and I will have children issue forth from her in my name. So Rachel's response is reminiscent now of Sarah offering Abraham Hagar, but the circumstances are not at all similar. Rachel offers Yaakov to take Bilhah in order that she be imputed with having the children that Bilhah will have. It's for her personal gain, as opposed to Sarah, where Sarah was giving up her place as the only wife in order that there be offspring through which to fulfill the divine covenant. By offering Bilhah, Rachel is only further digging the knife deeper into Yaakov's heart. She relegates their relationship to mere physicality and mechanics through which to have children. It can be fulfilled and replaced and substituted by a surrogate. Bilha, no loss. Yaakov, failing to relay his true love and extremely hurt and angry that he can't imagine what more he could give Rachel to prove his love, tragically agrees to marry Bilha as per her wish, thereby memorializing this painful moment and hurtful rejection forever in having Bilha as a wife. Every time he will look at Bilha, he will know what was that led to his marrying her. And she gave Bilha her maidservant to Yaakov as a wife, and Yaakov came unto her. And Bilha got pregnant and gave birth to a son to Yaakov. And Rachel said, Danani Elohim. And for many years, I tried to understand how this works with the idea of Danani having to do with judging, but it ends up that the word Danani is from the Akkadian cognate of Dananum, meaning strong. Rachel says God has strengthened her and heard her voice and gave her a son, and so she named him Dan, meaning strength, not judgment. So all those beautiful parachot around the world, 
should replace the scales of justice symbol for Dan with a flexed bicep to understand that it means strength. And this explanation also answers up a great debate on the Pasuk of Vayridofa Dan back in Lech Lecha, meaning that they chased them until a fortress and not the area of Dan the tribe, Vehamevin Yavin. Rachel uses the words Gam Shama Bekoli, which reminds us again of Rivka, Ve'ata Bini Shema Bekoli, the command that Rivka mentioned twice to Yaakov. Uh, it also may be that she actually reminds Yaakov of Rivka. He hears that echoing of the voice. It's a similar gene pool, maybe uh, looks as well, so it could be similar in, in physical appearance. But it also helps us try to peg a timeline for when all of this is happening. It's possibly the case, but not for sure. Uh, ostensibly, Rachel isn't waiting to get jealous till five years into the marriage, four years into the marriage, when Leah already has her first four children. She probably gets jealous right away when she sees Leah had her uven and she's not successful in getting pregnant. Then they have the fight of uh, Yaakov and Rachel, and then Bilha comes and has Dan, maybe after Leah just had Shimon. So Rachel saying, Gam Shama Bekoli, is meant as a response to Leah saying that God heard her. Rachel says, Oh, well, he also heard me. But of course, it's all a competition. Pasuk Zayin. V'tahar od, v'teled b'lha shifchat Rachel, ben sheni liyakov. And she got pregnant again. And she gave, and b'lha, the maid servant of Rachel, gave birth to a second son to Yaakov. V'tomer Rachel, naftule Elohim niftalti imachoti gam yacholti. V'tikra shemo naftali. And Rachel said, a great powerful struggling, I struggled with my sister and I have prevailed. And she called him Naftali. So we have struggling, Gam Yacholti, again, possibly ability to peg a timeline while Leah is pregnant with Levi, maybe, so that for now she can think she can still prevail, right? If there's still some evenness in the contest, it's still a tie. Now they each may have two. Or maybe we were wrong before in attributing when uh, Dan was born, and maybe Dan was born uh, earlier, and maybe now actually. Uh, because she has two children through Bilha, she's actually ahead of the contest, and she has two to Le'az one. The word struggling, uh, that we have, Naftule Elohim Niftalti, it also recalls the strugglings of Yaakov and Esav in the womb, and the later struggling Yaakov will have with the mysterious man, uh, the whole family, Rachel now also struggling in order to prevail over her sister. Pasuk Tet, V'tele Le'a ki Ameda Miledet, V'tikach etzel Pashifchata, and Leah saw that she had a pause in uh, birthing. She took her maidservant Zilpah and she gave her to Yaakov as a wife. The, uh, the Leah saw that she stopped birthing must have been a very quick realization. Uh, when we do the math at the end, we'll see that uh, during the first seven years, once he married Leah, he was uh, already having all of his 11 children. And so in order for all of the birthing patterns to fit, uh, Leah must have had back-to-back children. She had the uh, the boys plus Dina. Uh, so it must have been a very quick realization. The text seems to tie together at the end of giving birth to Yehuda because it says there, and now Leah recognized Ki Amda Miledet. So it seems to be uh, pegging us at that time period. Pasuk Yud, And Zilpah, the maid of Leah, gave birth to a son to Yaakov. And Leah said, Good luck has come to me. And she called his name God. And Zilpah, the maid of Leah, gave birth to a second son to Yaakov. 
בעושרי כי ישירוני בנות, ותקרא את שמו אשר. And Leah said, in my joy, how fortunate am I, for the women are going to praise me. And she called his name Asher, Joy. Vayelech Reuven bimek kitsir chitim, vayimsad udaim basadeh, vayavea otam el Leah imo. Vatomer Rachel el Leah, tenina li midudae benech. And Reuven went during the time of the harvest of the wheat, and he found dudaim, mandrakes, a type of a herb, flower-looking thing in the fields, and he brought them to Leah, his mother, and he told, and, and Rachel told Leah, give to me, please, from the mandrakes of your son. Now, mandrakes, as I just mentioned, they're not really pretty flowers. Uh, the reason why Reuven may have thought of bringing them to his mother is because he knows she uses them all the time, and that perhaps explains how fertile she's been. He, she keeps using these mandrakes that are aphrodisiacs or some type of uh, fertility uh, helper. Uh, he brings them to his mother, Elea Imo. There's a strong alignment between the son and the mother. Rachel is a non-entity here. Uh, Rachel asks for some, not all, of the Dudaim, and she's met with a very harsh reply. Vatomela, ham'at kahtech et ishi, velakahat gam et Dudae beni, vatomer Rachel, lachen and she told her, Is it not enough that you've taken my husband, that you also will take the mandrakes of my son? And Rachel said, Therefore, he will sleep with you tonight in place of the mandrakes of your son. I think this pasuk provides a linchpin for the entire section. Uh, if we're in the world of simanim, or even if not, in terms of understanding how the conjugal switch ever worked on that wedding night. Ostensibly, in order for it to be successful, one of the main ingredients is that Rachel had to have been in on the plot at one point or another, otherwise she would have gone ahead and shown up at the conjugal tent and expected to be the one going inside. So, if that's the case, how could it be that Leah is saying such a sentence to Rachel of, Ham'at kachtech et ishi? Do you belittle that you've taken my husband? Who, who exactly took whose husband? Didn't Leah take Rachel's husband? Uh, it seems to be a very backwards world. And not only that, Rachel doesn't lash out at Leah. She, in fact, seems to acquiesce to this point and begins her response with Lachen. Therefore, since you're right that I've taken your husband, and I also want your Dudaim, so now I'm going to allow him to sleep with you tonight instead of the Dudaim, in exchange for the Dudaim. So it seems that Rachel has also bought into the delusionary world of Leah. How could all of this be? So in my book and in the Yun lectures that I've given, I've delved into this topic in great detail. Uh, unfortunately, there's no time to fit it all in here in the few minutes that we have together. But just to sum up, the verse here hints at an astonishing possible configuration that explains a very fundamental understanding of how Yaakov will feel and act towards his wives for all of his life. And that fundamental understanding is that no one, no one, except for Yaakov and Lavan, know that a switch took place at all. The work agreement struck with Lavan was done privately. It was never relayed to the daughters. On the wedding night, Lavan takes Leah, and Leah honestly believes, whether because of local custom or because Lavan just said so, that she is marrying Yaakov tonight. It's the first time anyone heard of who is going to be the bride. Rachel never knows 
that Yaakov offered to work for her for seven years, and now actually 14 years. She will never know that she was Yaakov's first choice and really his only choice as to who he wanted to marry. In the morning, when Yaakov discovers it's Leah, he doesn't yell or berate Leah, he just goes to Lavan and complains, and then he sets up the next agreement to get Rachel. Only Yaakov and Lavan are privy to all this information. Rachel and Leah never, ever learn of the switch. And we will hopefully have opportunity to point out some various proofs for this uh, theory as we come across those psukim. But Rachel here furthers the sad Haran-like treatment of relationships as barter. Even when it deals with Yaakov, she summarily makes the trade without even asking him. In essence, this is the second forced switch of Le'ah for Rachel that's being done to Yaakov. On the wedding night, he didn't know what was happening, and here he's being forced to switch his sleeping patterns where he was going to sleep with Rachel. He's now going to be with Le'ah. Pasuk Tetzayin. Vayavo Yaakov min hastadeh ba'erev, vatetzeh le'ah lekrato, vatomer elay tavo, ki sachor secharticha abduda'eh b'ni, vayishkav ima balaylahu. And Yaakov came from the fields in the evening, and Leah came out towards him and said, Towards me you shall come, because I have certainly hired you with the mandrakes of my son. And he slept with her that evening. And Vayavo Yaakov min Hasadeh is perhaps a complete uh, taking over of Esav's identity at this point, because we had Vayavo Esav min Hasadeh by the time of the, the episode of the, of the Nezid Adashim. Uh, we also hear here the language of hire. Again, that language is grating on our ear uh, as if Yaakov is on sale for the highest bidder. And she's telling it to Yaakov's face and ostensibly proud of it. Uh, this is a, a low of the world of Haran. Pasuk Yud Zayn Vayishma Elohim el Vatahar Yaakov ben Hamishi And God heard Le'ah and she got pregnant and gave birth to Yaakov, a fifth son. So God heard Leah. Uh, we don't. We don't know what it is that she said or what she asked for, but the answer was to have another son. And Leah said, God has given me my reward, for I have given my maidservant to my husband. And she called his name Yisachar. Um, God gave her a sachar, a pay, which is a throwback to the wording she just used in regards to giving Rachel the mandrakes. And she also didn't just give Zilpah to Yaakov. That happened more than two years earlier. Uh, if she wanted to name someone after that giving of a maidservant, she could have named Gad or Asher Zevulun instead, which would have been more appropriate in the timeline. So I would suggest, perhaps, that here the maidservant that she's referring to, having given to Yaakov, is really Rachel, in the sense that she let Rachel marry Yaakov, the same type of a claim that she voiced to Rachel in regards to Dududaim that just took place. And the Sachar for laying for Le'ah is the paying of the Sachar to Rachel for sleeping with Yaakov. And that's what merited her to have this son. So this derogatory comment and the sense of entitlement that Le'ah has must be in great dissonance with the lack of love and the hatred that Yaakov shows her. Le'ah feels that she should be superior to Rachel, but she does not feel that from Yaakov. Pasuk yud tet chaf and chaf alef atahar od le'ah vateret ben shishi le'Yaakov. Vatomer le'ah zevadani Elohim oti zevetov. Hapam yizbereni ishi 
כי ילדתי לו שישה בנים, ותקרא את שמו זבולון, ואחר ילדה בת, ותקרא את שמה דינה. And she was pregnant again, and she had a sixth son for Yaakov, and Leah said, God has given me a precious gift. This time my husband shall exalt me, for I gave birth to him six sons, and she called his name Zevulun, and after she gave birth to a daughter, and she named her, her name Dina. Uh, we're about to begin now what in Michael Fishbane's Jacob cycle are the psukim that deal with Rachel's fertility, and that serves as the center of the entire Jacob cycle that we've been following along. This is his section F, the middle. Uh, until here we were building up, and this is the center, and after this, these few psukim, we're going to begin closing the cycle, paralleling the episodes with previous ones. So here, pasuk chaf bet. Vayizkor Elohim et Rachel, vayishma eleha Elohim, vayiftach et Rachma. And God remembered Rachel, and he heard, and, and God heard her, and he opened her womb. Vatahar vatelet ben, vatomer asaf Elohim et herpati. And she got pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she said, God has collected my embarrassment. Vatikra etchemo Yosef lemor, Yosef Adonai li ben aher. And she named her na- his name Yosef, saying, God should give me an additional son. God remembering Rachel is similar to what we had with Sarah. And he listened to her. As he had listened to Leah, another sameness between Rachel and Leah. This time Hashem provides another sameness. He was the one who made them both barren. He now gave them both an opening of the womb. He now also heard both of them. The word, the, the naming of Yosef is similar to that of Reuven, where there's one meaning for the person giving the name and one for the general audience. Uh, the word itself is the play between Asaf and Yosef. The adding and the collecting it still has the same sound to it. It's all about the image. Haran is into power and owning an image. And even when dealing with their children, the children have become the currency of jealousy. And is the is the how the women spar for what they want. Leah wants Yaakov's love. Yaakov wants Rachel's love. And Rachel wants children, maybe tragically because she feels she's always Yaakov's second wife. Uh, in the coming section, we'll see the heights of Yaakov's accumulation of wealth in Haran, by his striking yet another work agreement with Levan. Till next time.